Welcome to InsureTech Bytes, the podcast for the future of insurance. We're bringing you the latest developments in insurance with exclusive interviews with the industry's trailblazers. No hype, no pie in the sky. We want to know what's on your mind. Tweet us at fintech underscore futures or hashtag InsureTechRising. Hi, I'm Ushin Merens, the editor of InsureTech Rising, and welcome to another episode of InsureTech Bytes. Uh, this time, we'll be talking to Christoph Mascher, who is the group COO at Allianz, and Solmat Alton, who is the chief digital officer at Allianz. Uh, we'll be talking about changing customer behavior patterns, digital strategy, the role of InsureTech in digital transformation, and staying ahead of the competition in the digital age. Thanks for joining us, Christoph and Solmat. Um, I suppose we'll get straight into it and ask Christoph um, one of the first questions around uh, the work you're doing at Allianz on digital. Um, so what are the current needs of your customers and intermediaries and what are the pain points and how do you think they might evolve in the future? Uh, if you take a look uh, at our customers, then we can definitely see that uh, their expectations or their demand or their behavior patterns uh, that that the customers are following, these patterns have dramatically changed, uh, especially by digitalization. And we see that the customers or customers especially apply their experience and their way how they experience other other, uh, businesses also to us here in insurance. And that, I think, is a huge change in terms of expectation, in terms in terms of demand, and because the people have their access via their devices, via their web, and they are doing business uh, with other industries or using the web and so on, and they expect exactly the same, the same experience also from our side. So therefore, we can definitely say digitalization has changed dramatically the way how the customers are expecting the service uh, that we are providing uh, to them, and especially the two major business processes, the way how we interact with the customers in doing new business, and especially then the second one is the claims process, are affected by this, because the customers are really expecting that, for instance, that we are serving and providing service to their claims, especially in the way how they were used to work with or to interact with Amazon and other internet uh, companies. So we have to adopt the interfaces with our customers, especially following this logic, because I think what we cannot do is that we are taking the way how we interact and how we provide the services through or via our agents, also via the web, via the digitalization. That will not work. So therefore, we have to to really define based on the requirements, based on the logic, the inherent logic of the internet uh, or of the web of the digitalization also to design then our services there and that in my opinion is definitely one of the one of the challenges or one of the of the tasks that we are currently working on and i think a special uh, task uh, on our side is also that because we are already in the business we are already providing a lot of services in the traditional in the traditional ways we have also to combine our traditional ways how we provide services for instance by our agents also with digital support so we have to combine or we can we are using here uh, the term hybrid we have also to develop hybrid services to combine on the one side the 
typical person they'll contact, for instance, that you see in the agent uh, channels or in the broker channel, and with the digital experience and the digital communication tools uh, uh, that we see in the digital space. So that's basically the real challenge uh, uh, that we are faced with. Right, okay. And I mean, I think that many will be quite familiar with the kind of um, digital innovation initiatives that Alliance is undertaking, um, whether it be kind of acceleration or kind of partner with startups or maybe some venture activities. Um, but Salmas, if we kind of turn to you and kind of consider, uh, you know, in what ways has implementing your digital strategy begun to transform your business rather than simply digitizing existing activities or processes? So... Simply digitizing existing activities and processes, well, that's also part of the equation of transformation. But let's maybe first talk about transformation itself. Transformation basically means um, reaching a new level of performance through a change process, right? And that has, in the term of digital transformation, um, two pieces to it. One is new technologies, the adoption of new technologies, and second is a change process. So when I put that into these two segments, new technologies, how to embed that into the business and the core of our business, and then second, the change process itself, I think we can talk about a couple of things. First of all, we need to have a closed loop in finding and scouting new technologies, testing them on applicability to our business, to the core of our business, and maybe even thinking about creating new kinds of businesses and then user testing them and proof concepting them before actually building them into what we call our core customer processes and then uh, learning from it, embedding new technologies again and doing this in a circle of learning and development. So that is one key topic that we're addressing to transform our business. And we're doing this, for example, through our global digital factory, which is a location close to our headquarters, but consciously detached from it, where we co-create in a collaboration phase new customer journeys and embed new technologies. And we can talk later in more detail about that. The second, and I think that was, that's the question you're more alluding to, was the change process itself. One has to talk there in this context about the nature of the organization. There are central organizations centrally steered in terms of global companies like ours, and there are decentralized organizations. And the approach to changing on a global scale must uh, vastly differentiate between these two archetypes of organizational setups. In our case, we are a um, significantly decentralized organization. When you run such an organization type, what you have to do first of all is to create buy-in. Uh, you need to convince all the stakeholders within the organization that the way you're offering to go jointly is a way that makes sense also for their local and own responsibilities. That is a process that takes a, a lot of energy and a lot of effort. Um, so it's a process uh, where you need to create a lot of energy and effort in order to create buy-in. So you can imagine that in the picture of maybe uh, the digital transformation being a mountain, and it's pretty easy to get a small ball rolling up to the mountain and rolling downhill, but, create, but you need a lot more time and effort to get a very big, massive 
ball rolling up the hill before you can actually go downhill. It takes a lot more energy, but once that thing is over the top, it goes down with a lot of power and might, and it's unstoppable. This is the way we're trying to change slowly but steadily with little successes along the way and uh, then convince people to go along. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, I guess, what do you think are the biggest kind of um, blockers there then to getting that kind of buy-in? I mean, you know, you hear a lot of stuff about kind of cultural mm-hmm. reticence or, you know, maybe um, the kind of um, kind of legacy systems, but also legacy ways of doing things. Um, you know, what are the biggest blockers there in that process? Well, the biggest blockers are actually the the legacy as well. The legacy in thinking about how things were done in the past. So we are a 127-years-old company, and things have worked quite nicely in the past for us. We have, uh, we went through the financial crisis very successfully. We came out stronger than before. So there is a way that was successful so far. So it's about uh, the, the way of communication to convince the colleagues all around the world that what's on offer on new technologies can actually help them to create a competitive edge in their own local markets. Because in a decentralized organization, the CEOs and the country heads and the lines of business heads are used to determine by themselves what is successful or not in the market. And that's, that has been vastly successful, and we don't want to change that. There's a lot of um, positive sides to having a decentralized organization. But in a global world, the technology spread very fast where we all together have to reap productivity benefits from digitalization, sharing of knowledge, and then uh, making change more effortless and thereby creating productivity gains mm. will be an essential lever. So it's the way of offering, in a way, digital solutions that makes it easy for different country types and different regulations to adopt them into their systems and to embed them into their own legacy systems. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, the key of going ahead. And that's the most difficult part. But once we succeed that, and we're on a good way here, it takes a lot more time than an essential organization. Yes, and you need to explain more. But once that is rolling, it gets unstoppable because the local market strength or the knowledge of the market coupled with a sharing philosophy, and you can even share code easily these days with technology, that becomes very powerful. And that's the path for our way of transforming our business. Yeah, that's um, interesting that you mentioned, of course, what is one of the most important factors being kind of maintaining a kind of competitive edge. And Christoph, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. You know, what do you think is the most important area to focus on now in order to maintain a competitive edge over the competition? I think we have two basic areas, two major areas where we should, uh, where we have to focus on. Of course, the first thing is definitely, of course, uh, to customer centricity. We cannot discuss, as Solmas mentioned before, customer uh, digitalization without uh, connect this topic to to customer centricity. No customer centricity uh, without digitalization. No digitalization without customer centricity. So therefore, the focus of our activities, the focus to maintain a competitive edge will be definitely that we focus on the customer needs, customer centricity. And if you look at our digital program that is part of our renewal agenda, as we call our uh, strategy, there you see the connection between customer centricity on the one side 
and digitalization uh, on the other side. And that, in my opinion, is one of the, or is the important uh, uh, milestone or the important challenge that we are faced with. I want to add an addition, and, and that is ex exactly what we are trying now to develop in, in the so-called Global Digital Factory. The Global Digital Factory is our answer to the challenge that we have to develop global uh, digital customer journeys. Uh, as mentioned before, because you raised the question, what are the challenges? And the question is, is digital, can we think digital, can we structure digital without thinking global? In our opinion, no. So therefore, we have established this global digital factory. There we invited mm -hmm. all our uh, existing uh, companies, the local uh, uh, managers of our local businesses, and we bring the knowledge, the expertise together in order to develop a real, truly global answer uh, to this uh, uh, digital challenge. And the second point I want to mention in this respect is the protection of data, to take, how we take care of our data. I think it's a core element of our value proposition is that we protect the assets of our customers. And of course, we have also to understand that data, data that are describing the assets, the situation, the environment, the ecosystem, if you want, of a customer is also an asset. And therefore, I think it's clear that we have definitely also to focus on especially this area. So, for instance, if we have to implement next year the European regulation for data privacy, this is one of our core priorities because not protecting the data for, of our customers would definitely violate the brand value, the digital brand value, if you want, of Allianz. So, therefore, these two topics I would really raise in order to answer your question how to maintain a competitive edge. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm sure that GDPR, you know, implementation is looming, and I think it's on the minds of many um, organizations, um, you know, right across the digital economy. But um, I think just to kind of just flesh out a little bit what you said there, I mean, you know, with the emergence of InsureTech, um, you know, it was a little less focused um much as fintech was on, you know, that there was this arrival of challengers to kind of eat the incumbents' lunch. Um, and, you know, obviously, perhaps the bigger competitive threat is um, a fellow incumbent who is ahead on the digital curve and um, is perhaps better able to partner with InsureTechs to accelerate its digital transformation. Um, you, know, how, what, you know, how much is that, of that would inform your thinking around competition? Do you think uh, being able to partner with um, kind of InsureTechs and kind of uh, plug it into various parts of the value chain, is that a real competitive differentiator um, or can it give you a competitive edge? Let me answer that question for you, Thomas. Um, we see technology companies and startups overall truly as a partner and a catalyst for change. So, um, and it's not only about insure tech. Insure tech is a specific piece of the equation, but we are interested in a wide vari variety of technology startups that might give us um, an eclectic approach, the potential to assemble new kinds of customer journeys through learning from them and then have something completely different. So, yes, InsureTech, I think those InsureTechs that are focusing solely on disrupting distribution, they will find it hard uh, to really gain scale and then to succeed on the longer term. It's a very crowded space. Hmm. As we see already the first wave disappearing somewhat. Those InsureTechs that have 
a broader set covered within the value chain, like using artificial intelligence for claims management, underwriting, and also um, directed to an internal optimization of processes, thereby by birth basically having a high productivity advantage, those insurtechs are more likely to be successful in the mid to long term. But then again, it's a question of the cost of capital and the cost of distribution putting into an equation that makes sense. We are interested, we're obviously scanning the whole landscape, but we're also especially interested in those intro, in those startups that are not insurtech. Let me give an example. There are a couple of startups currently working in the space of geospatial data. So in the analysis of uh, satellite imaging or other kinds of uh, data that was available for a long time, but only with the use of <clears throat> deep learning and neural networks, one can now analyze them at a scale that makes sense then to embed them, for example, into marine insurance and all other kinds of things, where you can by now make much more sense out of geospatial data. Um, then there are hundreds of more examples. Um, for example, startups that are focusing on artificial intelligence across industry sectors. They are learning by applying their technologies across all kinds of industries, and we want to obviously learn how their skills and learnings can be applied within the insurance context. So we're looking around uh, a couple of areas, um, and we call them ecosystems. We're especially interested in those startups that are working around the following five pillars, if you want to say. That's one is connected properties, so everything that has to do with home or um, property in terms of industrial property, i.e. factories, factories 4.0, etc. That's one. Second, mobility, everything that's around autonomous driving, shared, shared uh, economy, riding service, etc. Asset and wealth management, so everything that's around robo-advice and all techniques that serve that matter. Health, the future of health, and that includes animal health for us. And then also data intelligence and cybersecurity, as also Christoph mentioned. So we're looking out for startups that are serving in a very new way, these segments, and we are, I think, very well understanding of insurance. We have a long history of a lot of expertise, so we know how these technologies can be applied to our core business processes. And we're longing to eclectically add them into an offering for our customers that provide that competitive edge that we talked about and is applicable in many markets, not only in one. So that's the way we're approaching uh, in, uh, not only introtechs, but startups um, of a wide variety of um, industries. Hmm. Interesting. It's interesting that you mentioned, you know, kind of interested in technology more broadly. So, Solmats, maybe if you could expand on um, telling us how, in your role, you work across business units and functions to make the company-wide changes that are needed um, that you could have mentioned. Right. I mentioned earlier that what we're trying to do is to convince. So this is why from day one we uh, approached on uh, the operating entities within Allianz Group in a way that includes them. So it's an inclusive way of digital transformation. We invited them, as Christoph mentioned, to the Global Digital Factory where then teams work in, um, in an agile way using the Scrum methodology in sprints to six to eight weeks we have three to four different countries with special expertise when it comes to the subject matter, for example, claims, uh, then the expertise in the IT environment of that country, 
and then also uh, the customer experts. So those people in the operating entity that have the best knowledge of the customer segments. And we work together. We do add to it uh, IT architects. We do add to it legacy uh, legal and compliance experts because we want to have legal and data privacy by design built into the new products and solutions. And we then work jointly within uh, different types of people skills in that group for six to eight weeks and design a new customer journey made out of digital assets. Before we embark on that, we analyze all of the world's data we have in terms of what do our customers tell us, where are the pain points? So what is delight points and what are pain points in the process we run today? What are drags on a five-star rating? What can we do to increase NPS? And that's the basis for then the journey that's being co-created. This way, we're engaging all of our units from the start and hence the buy-in then into implementation into the countries faces much less hurdles. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's, it does sound like a very kind of collaborative enterprise. And um, Chris Job, you know, I, I know that it's almost has touched on this uh, already, but I mean, as digitization allows for kind of different products and services to be integrated um, more quickly and cheaply, um, you know, those opportunities for collaboration are created outside the organization. And, you know, what, in your view, is the role of InsureTech? Um, you know, what can they play in your digital transformation? As mentioned before, I think we want definitely to place and we want to, to see or we see the role of the insurtech in the so-called digital ecosystem. So this in the ecosystem, ecosystem is more or less a, a digital area where we connect the assets of our customers or the customers connect their assets, of, if you want, with the digital tools. And that is then creating a, ton, uh, a new data, a lot of, of data and in order to manage it in a better way. And the insurtech, with their focus on tools and new services, especially connected to these digital ecosystems, will help us to understand to understand in a better way the needs uh, and the transformed needs of our customers, especially with regards to their uh, assets that they are carrying. And we have to, to support them in a way. So therefore, the answer to that would be that the insurtechs understand the digital ecosystems. They are trying to understand the new tech technique, the new tools. They are applying these uh, to the ecosystems. And we have the huge customer database. So therefore, we have more than 86 million direct customers. And it's fast uh, of uh, essence that we can connect the expertise, the new ideas, the innovation, the innovative spirit of these insurtechs, especially to our company. And that is, of course, of utmost importance. So let's take an example. For instance, uh, I think it was already mentioned uh, by Solmas, but I can repeat it. For instance, if you want to use uh, the digital mm-hmm. ecosystem motor or the digital ecosystem uh, household, then this is an important asset for our customer, for the customers. And now we use the Introtech that, for instance, are providing tools that are supporting the home, the house with techniques and tools to support and to manage in a better way, in a permanent way, uh, their assets. And that we can then connect to our to our assets. And of course, it allows us not only to protect insurance 
so to say, financial mm. protection, we can also connect that with services. And I think that is the huge paradigm shift that we will see in the future. Digitalization will allow us to shift a product landscape, a product offering that at the moment is focused on insurance, and sometimes we are adding certain services now to a service offering. And in the service offering, for instance, managing the house, the household, or the car, or even the health, I think it was also mentioned. Mm. And then adding to these services insurance. And that will be a, a, a quite interesting shift also in the product and service offering. So therefore, the insurance companies will become more and more service company, providing services, helping to protect and to support the management of the assets of the customers. And of course, then we add to this the insurance component. I mean, I guess, you know, that's interesting. So you're almost saying that um, insurers become a kind of trusted life partner and the kind of core product of insurance really becomes embedded in the broader service. Um, you know, it, does that mean then the future of insurance in a way is kind of digital, um, invisible and parametric? I mean, so people are, do not kind of engage and take out the product in the same way. They'll engage a service and um, insurance is just embedded within it. Definitely. Does a parametric insurance, for instance, completely replace the existing insurance construction or insurance, insurance conception and the service that we are providing? No. But I think in the future we will see more and more examples where this type of services or this type of parametric provision of our product landscape will at least complement to a certain extent, of course, mm replace the existing services. For instance, we have developed, for instance, just a small example, uh, insurance that is covering delays, for instance, in the railways. For instance, the French uh, railway uh, company, we have developed this. And that is one of the, uh, really, uh, one of the examples illustrating how this shift to service, to a service offering, of course, then embedded uh, within, uh, connected with insurance components, will modify and will change over time. And I think that you're totally right. And by the way, you use the same term, companion of life and a partner of life. That is one of our internal paradigms, how we want to describe the digital uh, target that we want to achieve. Oh, right. <laughs> so it seems I've got the inside scoop at Allianz yeah. quite by accident. <laughs> Obviously, you, you made a good research. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening in. But, um, I mean, do you have any thoughts then on kind of, you know, obviously um, there's a lot of excitement and um, kind of growth in kind of um, on-demand insurance providers. I mean, do, you, do, do either of you have any thoughts on the viability of um, on-demand insurance versus these kind of trusted, um, you know, life um, companion um, models? Because the skeptics would say that people don't really care about insurance enough to kind of turn it on and off. You just want to know it's there in the background. Do you have any thoughts um, on the kind of developments of on-demand insurance? I can try to, to answer this. Uh, I believe that we will see in the future a combination of these two areas. And definitely, yes, the on-demand insurance or the on-demand request that is a typical characteristics of the digital ecosystem. So therefore, the, the digital tools, the digital uh, set of tools is inviting the customers and they are trained by whatever digital ecosystem, whatever experience they make in the digital area, that 
our traditional offering of the product that we want to be want to be the trusted partner and whenever you have a problem please contact us will be partially replaced or complemented also with this on-demand insurance. For instance, we are living here in, in, in Germany or close to the Alps. If we are going, if we do, uh, if we, in, in, in winter, we of course expect that in the future that will be, for instance, an accident insurance will be connected with doing skiing, doing a skiing holiday and so on. So therefore, that will be an expectation and we see already step by step this this uh, expectation, this rising demand of the customers is now approaching. And now the digital ecosystems, for instance, all the connections of the data that are now provided by all these um, systems that are managing the ski resource, that we can now connect especially to the offerings that we are providing. And that is a perfect basis. And that is a, what we call a digital ecosystem, a perfect basis for on-demand insurance. Interesting. So I suppose we have time for one final question, and this one is for Solmatz. Uh, Solmatz, in your view, what's the outlook for the insurtech uh, sector in Germany? Yeah, are you asking more specifically to the insurtech ecosystem or more widely? Mm. Uh, the insurtech ecosystem, I mean, of course, um, you're well placed right. to comment on um, how things are shaping up in Germany. Sure. Now, Obviously, I don't have a crystal ball, so I cannot really tell. It depends on the customer's perception of what brings value or not. We have to be clear. I mean, if we would be able to predict that, everyone would invest in those startups and have a 5X and 10X. So the first principle answer is we will see and the customer behavior changes more quickly than we think, and this will drive the change. Having said that, I do think that those companies that utilize technologies on a broader scale i.e. trying to capture not only the distribution piece of the value chain, but also go into customer interaction, um, have the ability through constructs of uh, embedding risk carrier and the balance sheet side of things and the cost of capital side of things to not only having the cost of distribution under control, but also the cost of capital under control. And any technology that they are able to embed into creating that full value chain Maybe with the support of um, incumbent partners, I think these insurtechs will be those who will be reaching a certain scale and then eventually reaching a greater scale, maybe even expanding internationally over the next five to ten years. Great. Solmaz, Christoph, thank you for your time this afternoon. It was a pleasure talking to you. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Well, that's all we have time for. Thanks for listening to InsureTech Bytes. You can catch up on all the InsureTech latest on insuretechfutures.com, as well as exciting news about our upcoming launch for InsureTech Rising US. Thanks for listening to InsureTech Bytes, the podcast for the future of insurance. We want to know what's on your mind. Tweet us at fintech underscore futures or hashtag InsureTech Rising.